The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Last week, as we continue through the book of Proverbs, we mentioned that man is a clever creature. We talked about, we've seen some amazing things and scientific breakthroughs in our lifetime, unlocking of the knowledge in our time. We learned that we know how to fly through the air like a bird. We can now swim like a fish in the sea, but yet man hasn't learned how to walk like a man on earth. And even though the man is a clever creature, we talked about that he's lost his way in the darkest. We don't seem to be able to find God's way in this dark day. And we talked about that we double our knowledge, but we triple our trouble. And we discussed that majority of it is because man is not doing what Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6 tells us to do. We studied that last week. We don't trust God. We don't acknowledge Him in all our ways. We lean our own on our own understanding. And we talked about why is it that we don't trust God? Why is it that we don't lean on His understanding or look for His ways? Well, it's hard to trust somebody that you don't love. We talked about that. And why doesn't it, don't you love him? Because you're not spending time with him. People that don't love him are the ones that pretty much don't spend time with him. How could you know him and not love him? And why is it that we do not know him? We said, again, we don't spend time. So I was thinking, why is it that man, especially also Christians, that profess Christ, but yet still live in of, life of defeat. Why isn't it that we spend time with him? I want to tell you clearly and plainly the word is sin, and that sin is distilled in the word pride. Pride. So now we're going to speak today of dangers of pride, the danger of pride. It's a dangerous thing, and the worst thing, it's a deceitful thing. Deceitful sin. And many people who are infected by pride or have no idea that they are, you know, we always think that the pride is some other man's problem, and sometimes we'll admit it in a joking way, but, um, you know, we don't like to admit that we have an issue with pride. So before I preach this morning, I want to know how to direct my message. Who in here has an issue with pride? So I just want to tell you I'm going to be preaching to you today, but I'm going to be especially preaching to those that did not raise their hand. (laughs) Because pride is such a deceitful sin. And pride, more than any other sin, is holding back revival in our churches. Holding back the healing in our land, in our home, in our church. And again, before there can be any revival in any churches, there needs to be repentance. Pride is destroying more homes and ruining happiness and joys and families. Pride, more than any other sin, again, causing Christians, born-again people, to live lives of defeats. It's a dangerous sin. And folks, I want to tell you something. I have it. You have it. We're all born with it because pride is a major sin, father's sin, the mother's sin. Out of this sin, all other sins come out. 
because it was pride that made Satan, Satan. And it was pride that corrupted the human race. It was pride that caused that sin in Garden of Eden. You know, you be like gods. Who wants to be their own little god? So today we'll be talking about pride, as you can tell. But I want to define pride because a lot of things that sometimes we call pride are not really pride. Reminded of a story, a lady went to her pastor and said, Pastor, I want to confess a sin to you, a sin of pride. And he said, okay, well, what is it? She said, well, every time I come to church and look around, I, I say to myself, I'm the prettiest woman in here. He said, well, that's not pride, that's a mistake. So we're going to look at what pride is, because a lot of things are not pride that we, we think about. So, for example, good self-image, folks, is not pride. As a matter of fact, you need that. When you understand who are you in Christ, you are somebody. Good self-image. I mean, God, you're next to kin to God. He calls you his brothers and sisters. Pride is not also receiving honors. You know, think of a Olympic athletes that train all their life and then just go one time and win a gold medal and they show it off. It's how it depends on how they're showing it off, but that's not that's not pride. That's a sense of achievement. Michael Jordan showing off his six rings. Maybe there's a little bit of pride in it, but it's a sense of achievement. And that's not the kind of pride the Bible condemns. Again, we have to give honor to whom honor is due. In Romans 13, 7, it says, Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And the Bible says, if we are to give honor, certainly it's not a sin to receive honor. When you do a job well done or get recognition or when you're grateful to your grandkids or your kids because they're receiving good grades in school and so forth, we're not talking about that kind of pride. How many of you are married in here? Yeah. Husbands, you are to give honor to your wife. Look at what it says in 1 Peter 3, 7. Husband, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. That's already rough. But it says, give an honor to the wife. So when you say to your wife, I'm proud of you, it's not necessarily pride. It means a sense that you're giving her honor. And also for Ephesians 5, 33 says that the wife must respect her husband. Nevertheless, each one of you particular, so love his wife as himself. Again, giving the wife the honor. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. It'll be all right to say, honey, I'm proud of you. Or to your husband, I'm proud of you. Most of us need it, right? I'll never forget the day uh, my wife came home when she got the new job. And she was frustrated because a lot of new stuff she has to learn. She didn't understand it all. And, you know, I kind of explained to her, like, hey, I'm proud of you that you got this new job and so forth. But, like, with all new things, it takes time to learn new things. So what I want you to do is just get over yourself because there's real problems in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, she didn't like that last part. So then she was in the kitchen cooking. And we have this, uh, one of those commercial fans, whatever, that sucks everything out. And it's kind of loud. But I wanted to reiterate the point that I'm proud of her. So she's cooking. I'm walking back and forth saying, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. She's not paying attention to me. You know, she's probably mad. 
And I said, I'm proud of you. She said, what? I said, I'm proud of you. She said, what? I said, baby, I'm proud of you. She said, I'm tired of you too. That was the best thing. I had to go write that one down. It's a right to be proud of someone. And the Bible uses the term pride, does not condemn job well done. So you should work with pride. So if you're sweeping the floor, you should be sweeping the corners also. You know, you're not, you know, self-image also. You should brush your teeth, brush your hair. It's not humble going around looking like an unmade bed, right? Get the wrinkles out of your clothes. That's not a, that's not pride. So there's good, healthy self-respect. Not only the Bible does not condemn, but the Bible literally encourages to do. So what is this pride? Bible says this thing, pride, goes before destruction. And if I were to define pride in the sense, in biblical terms, it's an attitude of independence from God. It's just the attitude of independence from God. So why is it that we don't spend time with him? Because we got everything we need in the cupboards. We got everything. I don't need you, Lord. God, I don't need you. I can do this myself. So that's what pride is. It's an independence from God. It's an attitude. Let me ask you something. How is your prayer life? Do you know that prayerlessness is really a spirit of independence from God? If you don't pray much? So if you're wrestling, i got to find time with, to do prayers and so forth, what you're really wrestling with is a form of pride. It's not on your top ten things to do. It's not trusting in God, not acknowledging him in all his ways, and we, learn, we lean on our own understanding. It's that self-sufficiency, self-spirit uh, of independence. But when we do that, the Bible calls that pride. Let's do a little test if you have some pride for those you didn't raise your hand. Does it irritate you when somebody corrects you of your faults? Not your head, not your head. The pride says don't nod your head, right? Do you find yourself accepting praise sometimes over the things that you don't control? You know, sometimes God gives us natural abilities, natural gifts. You should be passing the phrase along to God, but you're just taking it all about to yourself. Are you an individual that never makes a mistake? I know I had a problem with that. I always have an alibi, right? We don't like to admit our mistakes. We always have an alibi. Pride will not admit, admit mistakes. It's just simply a form of pride. How many of you find it difficult to seek counsel, advice from somebody, when you're stuck somewhere you don't want to I'm going to figure out on my own. I don't need anybody. That's a form of pride. So really, I want to look at books of Proverbs and discuss five dangers of pride and what pride does. And really, we can call them the five Ds of pride. And the first thing that it does is defies God. If you look at Proverbs, and this is our text this morning, in chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, and seven, abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, 
and the one who sows discord among brethren. What we have here is not a Macy's parade, but God's hate parade. God's hate parade, number one thing on there is a proud look. And according to the scripture, you can sin just by the way you look. You can, you can strut sitting down. A proud look. And turn to Proverbs 16.5. It says, every proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Why is it that God hates pride so much? What's his deal? See, it's because what pride does. Pride ruined the human race. Did you know if there was no pride, there would have been no devil? Now, pride came into the human race through the devil, but it was pride originally that made the devil the devil. You know, the Bible describes Lucifer as what? The son of the morning. And how did he become Satan? The father of darkness. The father of the night. Lucifer was the most glorious and perfect being God has ever created. Did you guys know that? He was full of wisdom and beauty. Look at Ezekiel 28.12. It says, you were a seal of perfection. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Wouldn't you like if somebody said that about you? Try to get my wife to say that about me, but not happening. God had never made anyone more exactly beautiful, more wise, more powerful than Lucifer. Look at Ezekiel 28, 15. It says, you were perfect. You were perfect in all your ways from the day you were created. God created him perfect till iniquity was found in you. And I use this as an illustration to prove the point to some way that you have a will you can choose. Because God said he created the most perfect being, and then he said, till iniquity was found in you. Well, well wait a minute. You, then you didn't create him perfectly? You created him with, with one fault? No. God doesn't create robots. He created him perfect, but that iniquity was pride. And that's why the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.6 when a newcomer shouldn't be a pastor or a teacher when it comes to, to, to teaching in church. In 1 Timothy 3.6 says, not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Why? Because he'll just get too prideful. Same condemnation as the devil. Pride corrupted most glorious creature that God created. Not only pride made the devil the devil, it ruined the human race. Because in Genesis 3, 5, for God knows that the day you will eat, your eyes will be open, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I will be like God. He appealed to her and put pride in her heart. You can be like God. So when you see all this stuff going on in our world today, sin, Corruption, politics, everything. You can say pride did that. Because the root of all that is pride. And this is the reason the Bible says this 
Six things the Lord hates, and number one, pride. It's the basic sin. It's the sin that leads to all other sins. It's an independence against God. It's not believing God. It's not acknowledging God. And when we have this pride, we defy God. We provoke God to anger, and literally, God becomes your enemy. The Almighty God becomes your enemy. In 1 Peter 5, 5 says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud. And in James 4, 6 says, He gives more grace, therefore God resists the proud but gives grace more grace to the humble. So God literally becomes your enemy. You defy God. And C.S. Lewis said, as long as you're proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. Proud man always looking down on things and people. And as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something above. So that's what happens when we have pride in our lives. Pride defies God. Not only it defies God, the second D is defiles man. Now, sometimes people don't think they are sinners. You know, we, we, we say, well, I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do any of those things. And I'm just as good as those people down at church. I don't really need salvation. But what they really have is a sin worse than them all, and that is pride in their heart. And again, Proverbs 16, 5 says, everyone proud in his heart is abomination to the Lord. What that means is it doesn't have to have hands and feet on it. Pride can just be in your heart, and you're already an enemy of God. It never has to reach anything. It says everyone proud in the heart. And if you look at Proverbs 21, 4, it says a haughty look, a proud heart in the plowing of the wicked our sin. You know, if you really look at that verse and you analyze it, and I'll try to do it kind of slim version of it, it's an amazing verse. It says, proud heart and the plowing of the wicked are sin. What, you ha- what, what do they have to do with another? Well, you take a, a farmer, right? Take a farmer. He does not acknowledge God because he thinks he's selfish sufficient. He doesn't need God. He, he goes out and plows his field. Well, from our standpoint, he's not really doing anything wrong, right? He's not robbing a bank. He's not committing adultery. He's not beating up on his neighbor. He's just plowing the field. But it says the plowing of the wicked is sin because he has a proud heart. And because he has that proud heart, everything he touches contaminates. Everything he touches contaminates. We talked about acknowledging God in all our ways. So you see this man doesn't acknowledge God and that the soil comes from God. It doesn't acknowledge God that the rain, the sun come from God. It doesn't acknowledge that it's God that causes the seed to grow in the, in the ground and that he's utterly all dependent on God. So it never really has to reach hands and feet. It's just pride in the heart. So he goes out and plows his field, but it says 
found is wicked. Because we don't realize, and we often forget, that God does not look at man as we do. If you look at 1 Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So when he looks at the heart, even though you might not visually express it, you have that pride, and you become an enemy of God. How did that pride get there? How did that pride get there? We're all born with it. You ever seen an apple with a wormhole in it? doesn't mean the worm's inside the apple. It, that means the worm crowd out, crawled out of the apple. Well, how did that worm get there? Well, in the blossom, it was born inside the apple. So when it was born, then it starts coming out. We're all born with pride. We're all born with pride. In, Ma- in Mark 7, uh, 7, 18 to 23, Jesus tells us this. And he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters the man from outside cannot defile him? So it's not something that comes in. Because it does not either in, in, it, it does not enter his heart but his stomach and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, what comes out of the man defiles a man. From within, out of our heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, pornifications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lawlessness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a man. We're all born as children of Adam of Eve with this sin. We're all born with the ego, just another form of pride in our. We're all born self-centered. If you got kids or grandkids, and I don't know how you're going to be planning to spend in it, but pay attention when you're going to give gifts. Sometimes you will see that little kids are not happy with the gift they got. I got this. Cornet got that. You know, where does that come from? You give a kid a bag full of candy more than they can eat, and then you ask for one piece back. Mm-mm, mine. The, the children, their mom and dad teach them that? Any of you who worked in nursery, you know when there's kids out there in the corner playing and so forth, and a new kid comes in, and they go grab a toy that nobody's playing with. Some other kid goes over there, busts them upside the head, and takes the toy. Where's that come from? I hope their parents aren't teaching that. And, hey, when you go to nursery today, some kid comes in. No, we don't do that. That's natural. It comes out of the heart. Pride is born in the heart of man. It's not something that we learn. It's something that we inherit. We don't have to teach kids to be selfish. They'll learn that on this themselves. So by nature... We all come into this world wanting to be our own little gods, sitting upon the throne of our own little lives and worshiping at the shrine of our own ego. The next thing it does is divide society. 
Why is there so much divisiveness in this country? You think about it. Is it the Republicans? Is it the Democrats? What is it? It's pride. It's pride. It's pride. And let me show you something. In Proverbs 13.10, it says, By pride comes nothing but strife. Nothing but strife. And King James Version says contention. So what are those words? So I looked up those words. It's conflict, friction, disagreements, bickering. You know, contention is really a heated disagreement. There's been no argument, folks, where a pride was a major factor. There's never been a church split where pride hasn't been the major factor. There's never been a divorce that pride was never a major factor. Well, you say, well, are you certain? Are you certain? Uh, because we had problems. Well, I'm not saying you didn't have problems in your marriage, but what I'm saying is it was pride that kept you from solving those problems. Because the Bible says, but pride comes nothing but strife. Let me give you an illustration, Will. Everybody wants to be a king or a queen of their little own kingdom. What happens when the boy and the girl gets married? We'll call the girl Mary and the boy King James. Mary's out living her world, her life, and so is James. And they decide to get married. And they come together. She's got an ego, he's got an ego. He wants to be the king of little kingdom, so does Queen Mary. And what happens when they move into the house and apartment together? You got two kingdoms, right? You got two kingdoms. And the problem is exactly that. You got two kingdoms under one roof. And Matthew 12, 25 says, But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation in every city or house divided against itself will not stand. In Mark 3.25, and if a house is divided against itself, that house, what? Cannot stand. But he knowing their thoughts, in Luke 11.17, but he knowing their thoughts said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and a house divided against a house falls. Before long, because you got two kingdoms in the house, there's a, there's a war. Might be a cold war where they're not speaking to each other. It might be a hot war when they're throwing pots and pans at each other. And the tragedy takes place, and they separate and go in their ways. And what happens? Pride. Now suppose, before they got together, Queen Mary and Queen James, came to Christ and said, you are the Lord and Savior of our lives. You're the Lord. What happens then? You have two people. There's only one king, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you learn to love each other, to work each other. As we read, you are to honor your wife. You are to love your wife as Christ loved the church, and Christ died for his church. The wife is to respect the husband. And what happens is, while we're on the self-throne, when I'm on the throne or my wife's on the throne, Christ is still on the cross. But when Christ is on the throne, 
I am on the cross. She is on a cross. We dethrone ourselves and enthrone Christ. And Christ is on the thrones of both lives. And you see, Queen Mary, who has Jesus Christ in her life, is not going to fight King James, who also has Jesus Christ in his life. Because Jesus Christ is not going to fight against Jesus Christ. It's not a divided house. Because you don't have two kingdoms anymore. Again, you have one kingdom and one king who rules over all. Now, I'm not saying there won't be problems in your marriage. That Queen Mary and Queen James are not going to have any differences in your marriage. Trust me, my wife and I, we have differences. And this is America. She has the right to be wrong. But that pride, sometimes she says you need to humble yourself or vice versa. And we have one king that rules over all. And folks, you have to have some differences. How dull would it be if I was married to somebody just like me? What, what happens, you know, when one of us is not thinking? It wouldn't be fun. You wouldn't spend 30 minutes trying to figure out where to go to eat, right? That would be just dull. You want to go to McDonald's? Just go to McDonald's. No, you got to have that little argument going back and forth, right? Keep the blood going. But it doesn't mean that you cannot have differences, but it means in order for those differences to be worked out, pride has to be dealt with. And the Bible says by pride comes nothing but strife. So submit ourselves to the lordship of Christ, and you won't have things to call strife. When self is on the cross, Christ is on the throne. And when self is on the throne, that there's division, there's pride. But when Christ is on the throne, there's harmony and peace. And the fourth thing I want to look at is pride really brings dishonor to life. It's kind of a bit ironic here, but do you know what a proud man wants? A proud man wants honor praise of other people. And the reason he wants it is because he's proud. He wants honor. And there's, again, nothing wrong with having honor because the Bible says we are to give honors, as we read. And in 1 Samuel 2, 30, it says this, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me, before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor. Far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor. But the sad thing is, the terrible thing is that the proud man who wants this honor so much, he ultimately really loses it. And if you look at Proverbs 11 too, it says, when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. As night follows day, shame follows pride. And let me show you another verse in Proverbs 15.33 says, For the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor, there's what, pride? No, it says, before honor is humility. This verse tells us how to have honor. Again, it's not wrong, but before honor, there's humility, and before shame, there's pride. Pride produces dishonor. In Proverbs 18.12 says, Before the destruction of the heart, a man of haughty, and before honor, honor is humility. 
God's just saying it all over the scripture over and over. And Proverbs, in Proverbs 29, 23 says, a man's pride will bring him high. No, it will bring him low. But the humble in spirit will retain honor. All these people that live prideful lives, they want some honor, and that's the very thing that they don't get. Pride doesn't bring honor, it brings shame. It promotes dishonor. And in Matthew 23, 12 says, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humble himself will be exalted. So if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. God will humble you real quick, and you don't want that to happen. It's just simply the principle of life. And let me give you an illustration of this. God asked a rhetorical question here, and he says, the devil, how did you get to be the devil? Look at Isaiah 14, 12. It says, Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. He says, I mean, what happened to you? What made you what you are? You're full of wisdom and beauty and things like that. And then he answers this question in Isaiah 14, verses 13 to 14. says, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mountain of congregation over far, farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I'll be like God. That's, I'm, I'm too wise. I'm too cunning. I'm too strong. I'm to be anything less than equal of God, I'll be like God. I'm going to be the most high. That is, he exalted himself. So when he exalted himself, what does the scripture tells us? God's going to humble him down. He's saying, I'm going to go high up. God says, no, no, no. You're going to go down. In Isaiah 14, verses 15 through 17, it says, You should write down to Sheol, the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the man who made earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of its prisoners? Again, saying, I'm going to go, go up. God says, you're going to go down. So at the end, everybody's going to come around and look, the saints of the ages, and they're going to look down at the pit. And Satan himself, folks, I've told you before from this pulpit, he is a powerful creature. He is powerful. It's not, you know, you don't say poof and he runs. He's not afraid of you. But this devil who caused so much destruction, evil in the world, you mean that's him? God's going to bring him down. And pride brings shame. So Satan was saying, I will ascend. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, I'm going to descend to save the human world, save the humankind, to offer salvation. Look at with me in Philippians five, uh, 2, uh, verses 5 through 11. And it says this, Let this mind be of you, which is also in Christ, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bound servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as men, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even at the death of the cross. So here we see a picture of Jesus humbling himself. He's taken a form of a bound servant. He's taken a form of his creature that he created. He's humbling. He's descending. And because he's doing that, 
What is God going to do? Look at verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, and that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and those in heaven and those in earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what's going to happen. Why? Because he humbled himself. So, folks, we can take the prideful way if you want to, but you will be humbled. So pride produces dishonor. And lastly, pride destroys souls. Proverbs 15.25 says, The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the widow. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud. And Proverbs 16.18, I'm sure you're all familiar with this word, pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before destruction. What are all these verses telling us? Pride precedes destruction. It's not just man is going to be humiliated, but he's going to be ultimately, he's going to be destroyed. And that's why God hates it so much. God resists the proud. God sets himself battle against the proud. Pride produces, folks, not only that, it produces national ruin. Remember the second Chronicles 7.14, he says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, can pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven and will forgive them their sin and heal the land. And folks, I preached on this before, that the problem's not in Washington. I'm not blaming Democrats. I'm not blaming Republicans. I'm blaming churches. What have we become? The Bible tells us, humble yourselves. If you seek my face, Turn from your wicked ways. The Bible is written to Christians, not non-Christians. He's talking to his people. He says, if my people, I will hear you from heaven and I will forgive you their sins. Not only national ruin, it produces domestic ruin. And we kind of talked about that. You know, there's battlegrounds between husbands and wives. And not only that, pride also produces financial ruins. Have you thought about that? I know so, several people that buy the things they don't need with the money they don't have so they can please the people that they don't even like. Even up at the Jones, it's like, why, why would you do that? And the reason, well, I've got a credit card. Well, you know you're going to have to pay for it, right? And the reason, it's because we're trying to keep up or trying to show ourselves who we really are not. We're trying to keep up. It's wanting more than somebody else. And not only that, it produces emotional ruin, too. If you're a proud person, emotions are going to be very thin. You know, we get those bills in the mail. Now, how are you, how are you going to pay it? Because pride, you're, you become controlled by circumstances. You don't have the right car. You don't have the right clothes. You don't have the right decorations or whatever it is. And all of a sudden, you're emotionally ruined. And eventually, it brings to spiritual and eternal ruin. There's lots of souls that are going to be destroyed in hell because of pride. Jesus told of two men who went up to the temple and pray, and one was a Pharisee and the other one was a tax collector. Anybody know any tax collectors, bill collectors? You're looking at one. In my former life, I was it. I was pretty good at it. Twelve years. But in Luke 18, 10, Jesus says this. The two men went up to the temple and pray. One a Pharisee, the other tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed with us with himself, saying, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, extortioners, 
unjust, adulterous, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give thighs that all I possess. And the tax collector, standing far off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'll tell you, Jesus says, I'll tell you. This man went to, down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. See, Pharisee was a self-righteous person. He was cosmetic, but he covered up that heart, that hateful, prideful heart. And did you notice something about his prayer? He prayed, Father, I thank you. I, I, not like the other man. I tithe, I fast, I pay tithes, I do everything. I'm not a thief, I'm not extortionist. Or even as this guy standing next to me. He pointed at the tax collector right there. He strutted in the face of God. And the other man, Jesus said, who was a deep sinner, beat himself in the chest. And what we see, one went home dignified, the other went home justified. Pharisee said, Lord, thank you that I'm not as other men. And why was he so proud? Is because he's comparing himself to somebody else. And I've said this before, don't compare yourself to other people. You can find somebody that's, I don't know, a drug addict or something like that and say, how beautiful I am against this person. I'm not just like the sinner. I'm so thankful. Or you can compare yourself to Apostle Paul and get discouraged and say, well, I can't be like Apostle Paul. He's a great Christian. I can't do all the things he did. Here's what you do. You don't compare yourself to people. You compare yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, when Apostle Paul compares himself to Jesus Christ, great Christian, and this tax collector compares himself to Jesus Christ, what, what do they say? I'm a sinner. Apostle Paul said, I'm a chief sinner. He's just said just the exact same words as this tax collector. So your ultimate standard is not the pastor, it's not the deacon, it's not another church member. Our standard is one, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, you know, I said this before, if you catch a glimpse of God's holiness, that will lead you to humility. Folks, do you remember when Isaiah, Isaiah saw the Lord and Isaiah 6? Here's a prophet, a preacher, saw the Lord. He says, woe is me. I'm a man with unclean lips. When Apostle Peter realized who Jesus was, what do you say? Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Sin is coming short of the glory of God. Sin is not coming short to the glory of some other man, folks. And pride precedes destruction. And what we need today is God's grace. We need God's grace, and that's what exactly he said. Look with me again in James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And the grace of God is sufficient for everyone in this building today, folks. 
authority of the word of God in John, 1 John 1, 7, it says, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You can take that to the bank. And if you want to be saved, God will save you instantaneously and keep you eternally. There's, folks, there's no somebody so bad that they cannot be saved. And there's nobody that's so good that they don't need to be saved. There's estimated of 7.7 billion people in the world. If you take all the qual good qualities and extract them from each of those individuals and create a superhuman, 7.7 billion people, all the good qualities of those people, you extract them and you put them in one human, that human will have to kneel down at the cross and acknowledge himself as a sinner. And the major thing that's going, keeping people from coming or committing to the Lord is not primarily unbelief. It's pride. It's pride. And that's the reason some people are destroyed and destroyed forever is because of pride. So, folks, we need to analyze our own hearts as we head into the new year. We don't know what's in store. But one thing we can sure see less of, especially amongst Christians, is pride. 